Relevant content for our members by our members. This is TMC Connect. All right. I want to start out and welcome everybody to the last week in Mortgage Today, our weekly webisode uh, that we do every Tuesday at two o'clock Eastern, taking a look at the latest headlines, news headlines in the mortgage industry, uh, leading into a general conversation on the overall business climate and Every week, I invite one of our lender members to co-host with me. And this week, we are thrilled to have First Guarantee Mortgage Corp. COO, Sarah Gonzalez. Sarah, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Rich. I appreciate it. Glad to be here. Well, let's go ahead and get started with some of the news headlines from the last week, Sarah. And uh, one of note, FHA finally unveils an automated underwriting system. Yeah, pretty, pretty awesome. Um, I think all uh, lenders out there have been praying for um, some modernization in uh, FHA. Um, You know, we've solely relied on um, DU and LP for quite some time now. And so it's, you know, a a little bit of a shock um, that, you know, it's something that I feel like we've been talking about for about a year. And, um, you know, we've kind of heard through the pilots and things of that nature. But now to actually see that kind of come to light is um, extremely exciting um, as a lender to see how that's, um, you know, going to work with us. I mean, you know, the news is exciting, but then I also have to kind of think about, okay, how do we bring that into our current process? You know, what um, types of things are we going to look at? Uh, from a technology perspective, uh, specifically around, um, um, you know, best execution, making sure that we're uh, looking at things uh, um, appropriately, both on the DU and the LP side, but now you have this FHA component, which is great. But again, until you've kind of been a pilot partner or somebody that's been able to kind of get in there and mess around, it's a little unknown right now, but very, very exciting news um, as, um, you know, FHA looks to move forward and, and modernize some of the technology that they've had for quite some time. Yeah. Uh, head of FHA, good friend of TMC, Brian Montgomery has spoken at a number of our different conferences and served under several different presidents uh, and really key leadership roles. He's been talking about this for a while. Um, You know, and I think a lot of us in the industry, we trust Brian, we like Brian and, uh, but it was like, you know, show me. (laughs) (laughs) Here it is. And I think if I read the press release correctly, it's going to start showing up like in their systems uh, at the end of this month. But uh, along the lines of what you were talking about, not the easiest times to make changes to any process right now. Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, uh, I'm sure everybody on this call can attest to record level volumes and, you know, trying to um, tackle all of that. I think most of us um, expect seasonality to somewhat kick in, but for FGMC, that really hasn't happened yet. So it'll be interesting to see how folks, um, you know, who's first in line, I guess, to to make these changes and and so forth. So. Excellent. Good segue into the next headline I wanted to get into, which just came out earlier today. New home sales. Um, you know, we've been talking each week on this program just about the various home sale, new, existing, uh, some of the builder related uh, metrics that we keep an eye on. All of them have been obviously very, very not only great, but beating even the lofty expectations that economists have going into these numbers. So the same was the case today. New home sales up 
over 32% year over year uh, amid expectations for somewhere in the, in the 20, low twenties. So um, sir, does that mirror what you guys are seeing at uh, FGMC? Absolutely. Um, You know, I think at the beginning of the year when, when the rates kind of plummeted and we started seeing all this refinance business. And again, FGMC has a pretty um, active um, port retention group that works on refinances and things of that nature. But we're also looking at purchase strategy all the time. And I think, you know, we were just as shocked as anybody else to see our volumes from a purchase perspective uh, increase year over year. So when you look at the point of time of where we were, uh, even to this day, uh, those those uh, sales are up. Those purchase transactions are up within our organization, um, and just you know, again, you know, it's a testament to uh, you never know what you're really going to get um, through some of these um, kind of hurdles that we've uh, experienced this year. And and now we are about to go into an election, which will present a whole other uh, set of hurdles. I'm sure that we'll have to overcome, but. Uh, I completely agree uh, with the statistic, Rich. I mean, I don't know how many other lenders you've spoke to, but it's certainly something we're seeing here in uh, at FGMC. Um, again, good segue uh, into the election. Obviously, we have that coming up here now in just six days. Uh, and who knows if we'll have any resolution to the election <laughs> a week from now or eight days from now. But Assuming we do, uh, you know, just as somebody that's running a, a, a large mortgage company, like how just, you know, politics aside, how is your brain thinking right now as it just relates to the results of the election and the way things could go one way or the other for our industry, for FGMC in the wake of it? Yeah. So um, it's it's actually funny. I think I talk about this every single day with um, if sometimes the same people, if not uh, different folks every day. But um, you know, if I think about, you know, in 2016, um, everybody kind of knew the front runner and they kind of knew like, okay, this is what we anticipate to happen. But COVID wasn't there, right? Now, going into this election, um, you know, whether it be um, an incumbent or a um, or a, um, uh, a change in guard, so to speak, um, I don't know that I have a lot of opinion. Again, I don't have a crystal ball. So I, I don't know that I have really a difference of opinion based off of who's going to be sitting in that seat. I do think that we will see some volatility in the market for sure. But, um, you know, I still think that with COVID um, on the rise, at least in Texas, and I know there's some other hotspot areas with that, um, throughout the United States as well, you know, we'll see, we'll still see record low rates. Um, and I've heard some folks that I've spoke to say, you know, oh, we'll see that through, you know, summer of next year. My guess, and again, I don't have a crystal ball, but, you know, my guess and my gut is telling me we see it throughout the whole of 21, um, potentially even to 22. So, um, you know, a lot of different opinions there. Um, again, do do I think based off of the election alone, will that make um, a change in, in rate, so to speak? Probably not. Um, and again, my opinion, but um, but I do think we are going to see some volatility as far as, um, you know, what happens um, in, in the market, so to speak. So. Yeah, uh, kind of agree with you there. I mean, certainly the heads of Fannie, Freddie, CFPB, things could go one way or the other pretty dramatically, depending on uh, who's in the White House with those uh, organizations. But 
you know, like any market, I think things price themselves in in advance of it. And, uh, you know, the market is already reacting to what they think will happen in the election. And uh, yeah, I don't I don't anticipate any any crazy changes uh, in the rate environment or anything else uh, off the wake of the election. But uh, be interesting to see what happens and uh, how it affects our industry, because uh, I think there will be some differences and things we can get into on this show uh, in the weeks following the election. Yeah. Uh, assuming uh, yeah. you have a winner. I actually, Rich, um, you know, again, we have that adverse market fee that's coming up pretty soon. I think, again, another distraction in the marketplace. I think uh, you know, for sure ourselves, as well as I'm sure others on this call prepared as, as much as they can and have put in policies and things of that nature in place and are ready to make those changes. But again, another, um, you know, how long is that going to last? And, um, you know, how, how will all of that play into everything else that's going on as well? Uh, you know, is yet to be unknown. So. <clears throat> Uh, got a great question that came in from uh, Ken Wells at Muscoma Bank. Ken, I'm going to hold off just a minute or so on that question because it's on a topic that I wanted to get uh, uh, Sarah's opinion on. And uh, before I go there, though, uh, you know, you mentioned the rate climate, the business climate. I think, you know, in, in the vein of uh, covering the news from the last week, also notable MBA uh, and uh, Mike Frattantoni, their excellent economist, came out with their projections for uh, 2021 and the years to follow. Uh, some items of note, they predict 2020, the current year, to come in at $3.18 trillion, which would be the second best year in the history of the industry, but behind 2003. They predict next year at $2.5 so down 20% from this year. Uh, they expect refis to be cut in half, pretty much 50% of this year. Uh, predict purchase activity will increase by 8 or 9%. And just for some perspective's sake, I think 2019 was like 2.1, 2.2 trillion. So projecting next year to be 80% of this year and to be a much better year than 2019. So, uh, Good news. I know I heard from a couple of our members that were happy to see that projection. Uh, uh, looks like it could be another good year for the industry coming up next year. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think all of us can um, somewhat look forward to um, some of the capacity constraints that we have, right? So, you know, you got a $3 trillion market and, you know, I, I don't know what the number is, Rich, but, you know, you, you don't have the capacity in the market to cover off on that type of volume, right? So to be able to kind of normalize to an, a number that is um, more obtainable based off of um, capacity out in the market, I think is, um, you know, certainly at the top of my list, uh, something I, we have struggled with, um, which I know that we're not alone. Um, and, and I know we're going to talk about that here in a little bit, but, um, you know, it's, it's exciting to see, uh, you know, uh, this, this uh, growth uh, year over year. And of course, you know, 2021, if, if coming in uh, like 2019, just slightly over, um, still a really good place to be. Yep. Excellent. Uh, we've got about 15, 16 minutes left in this week's episode. And again, my co-host today is First Guarantee Mortgage Corp COO, Sarah Gonzalez. And Sarah or I, happy to take any questions, comments anybody has. Uh, feel free to put those in the chat or the Q&A, and we will absolutely 
get to them. So um, moving on, Sarah, from the news headlines to just the general business climate, you mentioned just capacity and throughput. And I can't, I mean, every 100% of my conversations with members of ours these last couple months um, leads with, you know, just we need people and trying to figure this out. People are burned out. Um, you know, uh, talk about that just from your perspective. You guys are, you know, one of our larger members and, um, you know, if there's anything FGMC is doing to try to just mitigate the issue, I think that everybody has, there's just not enough human beings with skill <laughs> to handle about. of loans that is going through the, the system right now. Yeah. I, I mean, look, we have looked at it so many different ways and, um, you know, again, we're, I know that we're not alone as uh, the struggle is real, I think. <laughs> um, but, um, you know, we never expected things to go the way that they did through from April to May. And, um, you know, it all seemed great in the real in the beginning, but, you know, we had to quickly, very, very quickly come together from a, both a sales and production standpoint, I'm sorry, a, a ops and production standpoint to really make sure we weren't getting way over our skis uh, a little bit there, right? Because as an organization, we all know it takes time to ramp up folks, to get folks hired, things of that nature. And that was really hard. I mean, you have hungry sales folks that are, are ready to take advantage of what's out there in front of them. Um, and then you have um, an ops team that is ready to take it on but, um, you know, the, the amount of volume that's coming in surpasses the capacity that you have, which then leads to um, burnout, to your point earlier. <clears throat> um, some other things that we've kind of seen, which I, I don't think will be new to anybody on this call, is, um, you know, competition out there. Um, you know, we stopped posting names on LinkedIn. I think, you know, anybody that follows FGMC out on LinkedIn knows that we have a lot of pride in the mortgage Mavericks that we're bringing on and, and we like to recognize them uh, on social media. And we kind of had to just stop doing that because the minute we'd post somebody's name, they would, it was like they had a target on their back for anybody in our competitor, any of our competitors to come, um, you know, get them, you know? So if they were on the market for us, then why wouldn't they be on the market for a better deal? I think we've also seen um, definite um, shifts in uh, base salary as well as other um, opportunities to uh, create sign-on bonuses, retention bonuses, uh, increasing base salaries uh, that are really what I would say normally at a market. Um, I was having a conversation yesterday um, with a BPO partner um, of which I'll go into a little bit more here in a second, but uh, talking about the changes that they had to make internally to be able to retain people, right? And um, that really hasn't been an issue outside of the norm, right? You do your normal engagement, you make sure you have a great culture, things of that nature, everybody does that, right? But how do you go over and beyond that, um, not only as a lender, but as a BPO vendor, um, and through that conversation, you know, he was talking a little bit about the same things that we're talking about today with regards to, you know, having to increase salaries, now include bonus structures, which is generally uh, not the case in most instances I know of uh, for BPO. And the conversation was, okay, well, we know that this is what we're going to have to pay now, but we'll see that coming over time. And I really kind of just said, do you really think that's going to happen? Like, how do we as a market 
be able to pay these folks what we're paying them now. And maybe it makes a slight shift downwards, but you know, what's going to be the next wave that we have to go through is who's going to be the first lender to cut salaries and cut bonus opportunities. And then where are those people going to go? Right. So, um, you know, there's consequences for all of this stuff. And uh, even with some of the BPO partners, you know, I've had to start doing business with folks that, um, you know, I've just met and um, in really having to trust um, and be able to uh, reach out and get other opportunities available. Some have been successful, some have not, um, where they, you know, just got to be really careful about who you're looking at. And you, and most of you um, in the TMC community know that I have a, a huge background in uh, BPO outsourcing. Um, I think, um, you know, some of the other things to look out for is, you know, those price changes, right? You negotiated a, a contract, you negotiated a statement of work for a particular uh, workflow or a particular role. And, um, you know, now they're needing to justify, okay, well, we're hiring all these folks for you, um, but they're coming at a higher price. So where do we make up, you know, where's our margin? Where do we, where do we make up for that? And so we're seeing some of that from a contractual perspective as well, where change orders are coming in um, for some of those things. So again, um, there is a lot to think about. Um, I can probably talk about this subject for about an hour. I think the one thing that we've also been thinking about, uh, Rich, is organic growth. Like, how do we, how do we, like, find college level students and turn them into tomorrow's um, account managers and processors, and then take the folks that we have in AM and processor roles today. Who's a good fit for underwriting? Who's not? Who can go into a junior role? Who cannot? And really analyzing all those scenarios. Um, but, you know, for anybody that's had a university out there um, within their organization, it's extremely time consuming. It's extremely expensive. Um, and so now you're trying to balance like, you know, we have to focus on on this volume and, you know, we have all these technology projects. And now how do we how do we kind of fit in um, a training program to organically grow our organization? So a lot of different methods and things that um, I personally thought about, as well as my organization. Um, but there's there's real no one fix it answer. It's it's you have to be thinking about all of those opportunities. Several great points, Sarah. Thank you. And yeah, I mean, already an uh, industry of constant change, the mortgage industry. Uh, this year, you mix in unforeseen record volumes, unforeseen a 100% pretty much remote employment. Um, so much more for uh, people like yourself uh, running our member organizations to think about as we uh, get set to enter another calendar year. So uh, I am with um, First Guarantee Mortgage Corp, COO, Sarah Gonzalez. We've got about nine or 10 minutes left. And uh, again, anybody has any comments or questions or thoughts, please put them in the chat or the Q&A. And I want to get to one question that we had submitted uh, Sarah from Ken Wells at Muscoma Bank. Sarah, how is your team handling time off, specifically time off carrying any over into 2021? Are you buying people out, comping them? in some way, use it or lose it or something else? So a uh, great question. Um, so we changed our time off policy earlier this year, but um, right in the midst of, I would say, um, COVID really kind of coming to life, April, May time period. Um, and we made some changes with regards to, um, you know, uh, paid time off versus unlimited time off and who gets that and who doesn't within our organization. That's number one. 
Number two, our our uh, company had a legacy of um, uh, virtually. I'm 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 not going to give the number, but virtually a a unlimited rollover period, um, which just was not sustainable um, from a from an economic standpoint. So we made changes to cap those uh, rollovers. And at this point, you know, it's certainly been a consideration around. Um, you know, we have a lot of folks, I pull reports on a monthly basis to see, um, okay, who's really carrying over where they should be at this time in the year? What does that look like from a rollover perspective? And we're really not looking to change our policy, which is basically use it or lose it, um, up, up to the um, point we did, um, you know, did communicate these changes were coming later last year. We made it official in, uh, I believe it was end of April. And um, and that's been kind of the communication um, effort so far this year. Um, you know, the great thing about um, being a part of this organization is that, you know, we can certainly look at things on a day-by-day basis. And if we really want to make a change, we can. But at this point, um, we are really trying to stick to the um, user or lose it. I mean, A, you know, yes, I'm concerned and, and the fact that people want to earn um, that vacation they haven't taken. But then I take a step back and I and I really want to encourage folks to take that time off. I mean, I know for myself, I have not had a vacation since uh, spring break. Um, and, and I know that some people out here haven't probably had one all year, but um, I'm tired. And regardless if there's work to do or not, I'm, I'm going to need to take some time off. And I expect that from our employees as well. I don't want to be known as an employer that's that's necessarily um, pushing them to not take their vacation time. Right. Uh, I think one of the biggest um, I, I don't want to call it a complaint, but one of the biggest um, concerns uh, that comes uh, through our employee engagement surveys is that. People uh, don't even have their weekends right now, right? They're working uh, weekends and they want time off. They want time off. So we're encouraging them to take that time off. And, um, you know, we'll look at the numbers at the end of the year. And if something needs to change as regards to our policy, we'll make those changes. But great question. Thanks, Sarah. And thank you, Ken, for the question. Uh, we got about five or six minutes left here. You mentioned something earlier, Sarah, that I wanted to dive back into. And uh, it was when the worm turns in the industry. And any of us that have been in this industry for a while know it will, right? Things are crazy and busy and robust and fat margins right now. And the one thing we all know about this industry is just when you think something is not going to happen or make some kind of prediction, the opposite usually happens. So um, using that uh, insane logic. Um, you know, things are going to slow down and taper mm-hmm. off. And most of the projections we mentioned MBA earlier is not predicting that to happen anytime soon and for next year to be a pretty good year. But, um, you know, right now you have every single human being that has any kind of mortgage operational skill that is working for somebody basically, <laughs> um, that have been out of the industry, pulled back in, um, when this thing turns, you mentioned like who are going to be like managing that growth, knowing we are in a cyclical industry. One is so important to people in roles like yours. Um, and two, what is the other side of that going to look like? Could it be that technology is, um, you know, what ends up replacing? Uh, I mean, let me rephrase that. Mitigate or on top of that factor that eventually you're going to have 
corrections to salary or layoffs in this industry. You also have emerging technology, things like robotic process automation, artificial intelligence in different forms that is coming quick. It's here on some level already. If lenders weren't so busy this year, it would be here more fully. Um, But this technology in other similar industries is there. It's coming to mortgage quick. This technology ultimately is human being replacing technology on many levels. So um, talk about the potential scenario where this technology continues to develop, volume falls off a table next fall. Uh, It really could be very disruptive to our industry, no? Um, As far as the RPA coming in and and, uh, the volume falling off or the other way around for my Volume falling off, I guess, coupled with the adoption of technology that makes it necessary to have less humans, you know, on top of that volume drop off. Yeah, absolutely. So obviously, um, you know, again, for other operators on the call or or technologists, um, you know, again, it's one of those considerations we talked about earlier with regards to how do we find capacity. And there's a huge technology component to capacity as well, right? The more you can automate uh, repeatable uh, processes, uh, the better off that we are. And some of the greatest technologies that do that are RPA. So, you know, FGMC is right in the middle of um, uh, building its first bot. And we're looking at expanding beyond that. Um, and, and you're right, right? There's, there's going to be um, the need for these technologies and then volume is going to slip off. And then what do you do kind of with the human uh, component of it? Um, you know, frankly, I don't think we'll ever be a business that is not person to person. I think it's just the, it's just the business we've grown to love. It's, you know, what generations of folks have done. They've taken the most um, expensive purchase that they're going to make and they want to, you know, in some form or fashion, talk to somebody, right? Um, but on top of all of that, you know, I'm looking for scalability, right? I want to be able to scale using technology and not necessarily have to be in a position that we're in right now. Um, and then knowing that what the future holds potentially at some point that, you know, you're going to have to make the hard decision to lay off folks. Um, you know, you you want that scalability from a technology standpoint. So the more that you can build those technologies now and build those things in place, um, I think is number one. Same thing kind of happens on the BPO outsourcing uh, piece too. Uh, I know that they're struggling as well with hiring. So again, they're kind of going to be put into the position where great, you hire them as a BPO outsource partner, but now they're going to accompany that BPO service with technology, right? Some folks were already doing that years ago. Um, that is starting to emerge more and more of the, of the conversations that I have with folks. Um, it's not just a people or a, a, what it looks called FTE offering. It's It comes packaged with some technology as well. So uh, again, it's it's going to be tough, um, you know, Rich, and and certainly something we've all had to deal with um, throughout our careers. You know, the highs and lows of <laughs> mortgage lending, um, but um, certainly looking forward to at least our part of trying to introduce some of those technologies and help with scale. So, 
Yep. Uh, and uh, just a minute or two left. Anybody has any final questions? This would be the time for them. And uh, yeah, good answer, Sarah. And FGMC with multiple origination channels too, makes it a little bit easier to play with the levers and scale into uh, if it's technology or wanting to, you know, the infrastructure you've built and pumping more volume through it. So yeah. Absolutely. Um, I mean, especially those repeatable processes, right? There are some channel differentials, but, you know, on certain things, but for the most part, there's a lot of activities that you um, could use a bot for, and you don't have to really worry about their background in wholesale or their background in retail or so forth and so forth, right? They The, the bot comes already equipped to be able to handle those um scenarios and they don't need to really have knowledge of um, channel specific um, duties on those repeatable processes. Will definitely be one of the words of the year for the mortgage industry next year, bot for sure. So, which is what my teenage son calls me when I, I'm being a, a jerk. So I don't, I don't know. Uh, a, bot. <laughs> a bot. Yeah. So <laughs> I tried to explain to him last time he called me that, uh, how it actually applies in our industry. And he's just like, all right, dad, shut up. So, oh my gosh. Well, I was at a conference a, a couple of years ago and they were telling me cybroids were coming. So cybroids <laughs> are people that have basically connected with technology. So that might be the next thing we're talking about. <laughs> New term. So uh, we did have a question come in and uh, Sarah, how would you handle an LO looking to transition? To, why would any LO want to transition to anything right now? But uh, an LO looking to transition to underwriting, would you allow the LO to still originate? Well, that is illegal, right? <laughs> that is not okay. Yeah. However, we did just have this scenario in wholesale. I had an account executive that wanted to come underwrite. Um, obviously the background, uh, necessarily wasn't there from an underwriting perspective, but we did transition him into an account management role. Um, but he is not allowed to originate loans or broker loans or anything like that. He has to stay in ops. So great, great kind of some frontline experience to kind of, uh, um, share with the team, of course, um, because they're kind of on the front line, but, uh, we won't allow them to do both. So 2003, originating and underwrite your own loan. No. <laughs> I had a trainer a couple of years ago try to do the same thing. Uh, and I'm like, pick one. <laughs> oh, excellent. Well, Sarah, as always, greatly appreciate the insight, your market knowledge and perspective, and uh, really appreciate you joining me on the episode this week. Yeah. Thanks so much, Rich, for having me. It's always a pleasure. Love catching up with you. Absolutely. And uh, many thanks to all of uh, the attendees that took some time out with us this afternoon. Uh, as always, we'll be distributing this uh, to our network via video and podcast. Uh, quick plug to subscribe to our podcasts on the Apple Store or Spotify or any of the podcast subscription channels. Uh, we're putting some pretty good stuff out there on a regular basis now, uh, including this episode each week. So uh, with that, Sarah, thanks again. Thank you. You too. Stay safe. For more information about how you can get involved with TMC Connect and witness the power of the network firsthand, please visit us at mortgagecollaborative.com.